Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox. Welcome to an all-new Hustlin' with Vivica A. Fox. We are going bigger and bolder. I'm your go-to girl for people, ideas, knowledge, inspiration, faith, love, truth, success, and of course, fun. Your hustle's going to get an upgrade with the most surprising, exciting, and fabulous guests from all walks of lives. So, you're in good hands, darlings, but don't forget to subscribe and download to Hustlin' with Vivica A. Fox. All right, darlings, when I tell you today is all about inspiration, y'all are gonna get so inspired to move to the next level of your life. My special guest is Preston Smiles. Preston Smiles is an author, coach, an advocate for wellness and positivity. My kind of dude, you know what I'm saying? His mission is to mentor and guide people on loving themselves and seeking fulfillment. Welcome, Preston! Hey, Preston! Ooh, ooh. Let's go! Ooh, ooh. Was that right? That was perfect. Yes! That was okay. So you started on self-reflection at an early age. Tell us what inspired you to do so. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, given that I grew up in Los Angeles during the 80s, uh, during a time where, uh, from an educational standpoint, they just sort of uh, didn't understand that there were levels to genius and that uh, just because a kid didn't have a standardized brain didn't mean that they were not uh, amazing. And so- What do you mean I, by standardized brain? I've never heard that one. Uh, you know how they have standardized tests? And, okay. and, and and so some people do well on standardized tests and they have standardized brains. Oh, gotcha, okay. I happen to be one of those people that did terrible at that. And yet I was a genius in interpersonal skills and understanding emotions and things of that nature and leadership. But instead of the school system, um, and my parents, um, looking at that, they looked at where I wasn't and put me in special education. And uh, I made up a lot of stories about myself, that I was dumb, <gasps> that I was stupid, that I was less than. And all of that, um, you know, created a space where uh, it, it, I was traumatized for sure. And it's something I actually still uh, grapple with at some degree. But it, it made me have a deep empathy for the underdog. And mm. it, it made me begin to look at life a little different. And so uh, by the time I was 15 years old, um, I, had, I had joined a gang and was doing a lot of really silly stuff, um, trying to be tough. Yes. And, and, um, and so did I hear you say that you're a Los Angeles native? I am. I am. You know, that's rare. It is. It is. You know, that's right, because everybody comes to California uh -huh. in search of a dream. And exactly. so when someone tells me that it's like, you know, I was born in L.A., it's like, oh, my God. So where did you, where were you raised in L.A.? Uh, so I was born in Compton and raised in Carson. Straight out of Compton. I'm sorry, I had to do yes, this. Yes, you had to. You had to. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so you said you were born in Compton, raised in Carson. Yep. Yep. In the South Bay. And. Um, you know, I grew up during the time where gangster rap, it went from X-Clan and like all the like, you know, conscious rap to NWA and banging on yes. wax and all that stuff. And I was, you know, a, a eight, nine, 10 year old kid, uh, which is when most kids are going through, most little boys would go through a rite of passage. 
So my rites of passage was uh, trying to be a gangster and trying to be mm-hmm. tough and yes. trying to be like what I saw on television. And um, at 15 years old, I had the first sort of really understanding of intuition because uh, uh, one of my best friends asked me to go out and drink and do stupid stuff like we always did. But but something something internally said, don't go. Hmm. And uh, I said no. And he, you know, he made fun of me and called me all kind of names and I was like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, man. And um, within an hour, every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before that and the night before that and the night before that, every single one of them was shot. And my best friend was shot in the head and died uh, instantly. Was it drive-by? No, it was a disgruntled guy who was going through something and us being stupid 15 and 16-year-old kids, uh, the guy, you know, Asked my friend, what are, you, what are you looking at? And my buddy Scott and here said, we go. Exactly. And it just right. escalated. And, and um, yeah. So how did you feel when you found that out? Did you feel lucky or mm-hmm. did you then penalize yourself for not going? Exactly. A little bit of both. I had a lot of survivor's guilt. Yes. And, and um, I didn't know how to cry at that point. You know, we, we beat little boys and girls to that degree out of their emotions by the time they're 15 and 16 years old. So I didn't even cry. I didn't even know what to do with those emotions. I was just so stunned by the whole thing. And it prompted me to be able to look at life differently. I ended up moving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to get out of there. I was I was afraid I was going to be next. And so mm. um, I ended up and, and this is the, the, the end of the story, but also the beginning of it. I ended up at a school uh, where I was the only black male in the entire school. Wow. Yeah. And so wait, hold on. I got I, I just got to just so everybody follows us. You go from L.A. Homeboy getting shot. You were supposed to be with them to now moving to the whitest place in America being the only brother in the yep. school. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And how old? I was still 15 and a half. This within two weeks I left. Wow. When my, when my wow. friends got shot, I, I took off. And um, Jeez. yeah, this was this was a game changer for me because I, I checked into the school and, and I, I'm sure, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is about, uh, you know, him going yes. from, from Philadelphia to, to you know, L.A. Yes. And I went from L.A. to to Pennsylvania, which is also <laughs> where Philadelphia is. And, and um, I pulled up in in, you know, beat up white <laughs> Nissan Sentra. And as we were pulling into the school, there was just nothing but BMWs and Mercedes. And it was like literally culture shock for me because this was one of the wealthiest public schools in the in, in Pennsylvania. Mm. And, um, I got out and I got, you know, I walked to to the office to get checked in. And as I was going by each classroom, everybody was like sort of looking out the window like, you know, like like I was in. But they had never seen no black person before. Exactly. That's, that's, that's how crazy. Okay, I mean, what year is this? Do you remember? This, this is 1996. Oh, now, come on. Like, I, you ain't in the 60s. Like, I could see if it was when I was going to school, at least the 70s. This is yeah. in the 90s? They looking yeah. at you like that? They were, but let, let me let me finish the story. Okay. You, you're going to love this. So, so, so instantly, I become the most popular kid in school, obviously. Oh, that's good. Um, and um, I joined this new gang called Wexford Mafia, which was all these little, <laughs> these rich white dudes. And... 
and we were <laughs> we were headed to a party. This is crazy because I'm answering your question. This is the last part. So we're headed to a party. I'm in the, this kid Brad's BMW. I'm in the back seat. They're listening to Outcast, Wheels of Steel, and I have a forty in my lap. Everybody's smoking weed, passing alcohol. We're drinking and driving as 15 and a half year old kids heading to a party, listening to Outkast, Tupac and Biggie. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, the kids at my former school were doing the same exact thing, but they're going to jail. These kids are doing this and they're going to Yale. Mm. And the distinction and the difference was it's very hard to rise to low expectations. And so at 15 and a half, I, I, I had an, an understanding that the, the system wasn't set up for me to win. Mm. And so in order for me to win, I was going to have to play a different game and yes. I was going to have to be aware of how that game was being played. And uh, that changed everything for me. That was like all I needed was a glimpse of, of what was going on in order for me to just take off. So. I, I find that so amazing that at such a young age that, you know, I left home when I was 17 years old, one month after I graduated from high school in search of a dream. And that was because I didn't want to be like everybody else. My senior year, I got a revelation. I just like, ah, my life isn't going to be here. And I left. Um, But my mama, I had to convince her that I was going to college. Where were your parents in this whole scheme of things? Yes. So my, my dad, when, when Scott got killed, my dad, I told him I have to get out of here. And he said, let me make some calls. And so he called his high school sweetheart. My mom and dad had been broken up at this point. Okay. Uh, and my dad called his high school sweetheart, Shirley. And he said, this is before the internet. This is before like social media or anything like that. I got off a plane. There was a sign with my name on it. I didn't know what she looked like. There was nothing. <gasps> you had never met her before? Never met her in my entire life. But it was an emergency. This is a 911. Yeah. And so um, he called Shirley. And, and Shirley ended up talking to my mom and they all thought it was a good idea for me to at least go for a semester, if not a year, and just get away and see something different. And yes. so that's, that's how that ended up happening. And I stayed for a year and it was too cold. And- <laughs> wait a minute. That was so California of you. You're like, wait, is it going to be like this for a couple of months? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, right, right. Let me tell you, when I go back home to Indianapolis, man, they get me for Thanksgiving only and I'm out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I can remember going to sleep and like waking up the next day and there was 12 inches of snow and yep. ice. Yep. Or, you know, I mean, like when I see what's going on now in Houston and how they were not prepared for that, mm-hmm. that's how I feel like I am now. I'm like, oh, cold weather. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, so let's move on, let's move on. Now, you said something that I thought was uh, wonderful because I think it's now shaped you to be the man that you've become, that you said, we're taught not to cry. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? That, because I, I'm admit, I'm a cry, I'm a huge crybaby. My mm-hmm. dad was a crybaby. I actually got my sensitivity, who I am, from my father. Mm-hmm. My mother 
was from West Point, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. She was the strong one that was like, you be strong. You don't show weakness. You work. Da, da, da. Why do you think that is? Is it because they don't want you to seem weak or to be a failure? Um, I mean, you nailed it. It's there. It, the, the perception is, is that emotions equals weak emotions mm-hmm. equals bad emotions. And, and to go a little bit deeper, all of our media um, for, you know, hundreds of years at this point. Yes has been setting up a particular, even think about the Cowboys and Indians. Think about Clint Eastwood. Think about like mm-hmm. how, how a man is supposed to be. A man mm-hmm. has the right answers. He's stoic. He's a hero. He's X, Y, and Z. This is why men kill themselves more than women is because they, they are so repressed. They're so emotionally repressed that those things burst out in, in, um, ridiculous things. And this is just side note. This is why um, I say and have changed it from midlife crisis to midlife awakening, because Mm. what happens is if somebody recognizes that they've been living their life from somebody else and they they say, you know, enough with that bullshit, I'm going to do what I want to do. And so finally happened for me. Exactly. It's, it's, it's such a big deal to, to take ownership of one's life and decide, yes. make a decision that, that if, if I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall forward. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on my terms. Right. And, mm. and that's, that's a beautiful, uh, risky thing for a lot of people. And, and men especially have been taught to be tough, to tough it up. Um, and, and that big boys don't cry and don't, yes. be, a, don't be a wussy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you hear, you hear that enough, you know, and, and, and you know, black women is, as well, black mm. women, get the, get their asses handed to them <laughs> on on multiple levels and so there's a lot of uh, generational trauma that we are all working through together agreed and that's a part of it so why do you think that people don't understand their worth mm. um you know there, there's multiple levels to it but uh i'm gonna break a few things down right so there's okay. there's four aspects of what it means to be human Hmm. Uh, we are biological beings, uh, which is easy. We are linguistic beings, which means we build worlds with our language, right? If mm-hmm. I don't have, if I don't understand the, the concept of door or doorknob, it's very difficult for me to get out of this room. But through the language and me understanding through language, I can now get out of this room, right? Okay. We are social and historical beings. This is the one I'm going to land on. We are social and historical beings, which means we were born into beliefs and interpretations. So uh, oftentimes, uh, not even often, almost always, we are a product of who we were raised by. Uh, Agreed. Or the lack thereof. And so uh, if if my mom had a uh, scarcity mentality, if my mom was raped or abused, if my, if my dad went through X, Y, and Z, more than likely they're going to pass that same trauma to me through the womb. And then when I get on the outside, right, as a way of protecting me, they think they're protecting me. They will try to curb my expectations for the world and what I can and can't do in this world based on my skin color or uh, where we come from, what side of the tracks we're on, X, Y, and Z. And so uh, a lot of people don't know their worth because they haven't actually investigated the social and historical, the, the beliefs and interpretations that they've taken on. See, for me, I, I spend, you know, I've spent my life looking at those things and deciding whether I want to keep them or not. Like my dad, my dad rest his beautiful soul, uh, you know, struggled with some, with some drug problems. Yes, but my, dad, happens. But, my, but my dad was also a giver. 
So yeah. I'll, I'll keep the, I'll keep the giver part, but I'll, I'll let, I'll, I'll get rid of the part where one is addicted or allowing mm-hmm. their, their biology to dictate what happens in the world. You know, a, yes. lot, of, a lot of people are um, drug around by, by their, 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 um, I don't want to say this in a, in a bad way or whatever the case may be for your viewers, but they're drunk around by their, their genitals. Mm. They allow, they allow the, the short term gain of, of sex or food or shopping to, to dictate their lives. And for me, uh, you know, I say no to the good so I can say yes to the great. You I know? know that's right. Say that one more time for the, for the, for the congregation to all hear it. One more time, brother. Yeah, I say no to the good so I can say yes to the great. Yes, I love that. But you know, can mm. I tell you, it? I learned a very beautiful word lately. Mm. No. That's the one. Okay, I did. I mean, and it took a long time because as a woman, you know, uh, and especially like watching my mom, my, my mom, you know, we were raised in the church and, mm-hmm. and this and the third and which I love her for doing that because it instilled a lot of good morals in me. However, you ha- I had to learn in life who to give to because I had a lot of people that were just tearing me down and dragging me just till Vivica was empty and was successful, but empty and not happy. So it wasn't until literally I looked in the mirror at myself and took responsibility for my happiness, yes. my worth. If if a person and I didn't mean it to be mean, I just had to be honest with myself. Yes. What was it in life that makes me happy? Who's not making me happy? Who's not contributing to me watching my flowers bloom? I, yes. I can't even tell you how many houses I built, how many cars I've driven this and that, and none of that equaled happiness. Boom. That is it. All Do you day. know what I mean? But yes. when I tell you, when I let go of a lot of those things, I called it seasons of shedding. Mm. I became so much more successful. Yes. Happier. Yes. We're doing the simplest things. Yes, yes, yes. And more. You know, like I still, don't get me wrong. I still like to flossy, flossy a little bit, you know, because that's why I work hard. Let's but go. Different because this time I earned it and I didn't earn it for someone else. Yes. So that I can make them happy or look what I'm doing. I earned it because I love what I do. Yes. Why do you think that so many people get stuck not doing what mm-hmm. they love to do? Yes, uh, there's a, a multitude of reasons, but I'll start with this one. Very early, we start hearing uh, from our parents, friends, neighbors, people at the church. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. That question assumes that there is one purpose. There is one thing that you are here to do. And if you do not figure that one thing out and that thing does not produce you money in X, Y, and Z, then you are um, not worthy, right? And so so I take all that conversation. To me, we are unique emanations of the most high. And we we do all have one purpose. And that is to reflect and reveal God's love in a way in only which we can. Right. That that's our one purpose. Now we have many missions. We have many visions. And 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 to me, there's only two games ever happening. There's the outside in game, which says that the cars, the money, the fill in the blank, the likes, the comments, the attention. Oh my God. Makes me worthy. Or the inside out game, which basically states, I am perfect, whole, and complete, but not finished. Mm-hmm. And uh, my worth has nothing to do with what is happening externally. And while I will enjoy those things, they are not my God. And mm. to me, that is when the whole game changes. And that's what I hear you saying. You, mm. you recognize that like, uh, these things are fun. 
and and I will enjoy them because that's what I work hard for. But they don't define who Vivica is, and and mm. they definitely don't define who I am. Mm. So I want to know. So you went from 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 the gang to Philadelphia to the white gang to now just you. No, for real. That you like, you know, because sometimes what we do, we go to different places with different mm-hmm. bodies, mm-hmm. doing the same stuff, yep. getting the same results. Yep. Real talk. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that that's where I was for a long time. And then all of a sudden I was like, "Mm this isn't working for me. Let me shut down. Let me look in the mirror. Let's start making some different choices. So I want to know for you, how did you go from all that to now being an author, Mm -hmm. being a family man? I mean, how, how, what was that transition like for you? So one of, one of my, there's a few principles that I live by and I I live by them to this day. Um, One of them is elevation requires separation. Mm. So, so for anybody, for any of us to elevate, we have to separate, we have to separate from certain things. Sometimes that's, that's environments, it's people, sometimes it's, it's ways of thinking. Sometimes it's, 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 uh, you know, what we put over our lip and into our mouths, all of these things have an effect because everything is touching everything. And so we can't compartmentalize life because life is just lifing. It does its thing. So for me, uh, what has been one of the biggest game changers is, understanding that the environment that I put place myself in, right? Because the seed contains the blueprint for the entire tree. Mm. The distinction between uh, a tree that grows a thousand feet in the air and provides food and shade and water and provides and a, and a tree that grows three feet in the air and shrivels up and dies is not the, the seed. It's the soil that it's planted in. Okay. And so, so for me, what, what was the biggest difference when I went from Carson to, 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 to Pittsburgh um, was I got into a different type of soil. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was always amazing. I was, <laughs> I, love that. I was always dope. I was always a leader. But when I got in a different soil, I got to see different. I got to experience different. And the first place we got to start is, is pictures, right? Mm. We, we do everything also with mental pictures. And so when, 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 a, when a young, you know, skinny black boy can see something else is possible, it literally opens up a new door. That's a mm. part of why I step in. It's a part of why I do what I do. I have enough money right now to retire and walk away. But mm. I don't walk away because okay. I- Oh yeah, we, we ain't playing over here. Look, 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 life's good. Yes, very, very. You figured it out. Mm-hmm. I'm super yes. intentional about it, but I also know that I'm being used, right? Mm. And so um, there's, I'm gonna, I love breaking these things down. There, there's four levels of consciousness. To me, which is victim state. The world mm. is happening to me. By me, which is the, the sort of hustle hard, I create my own reality, which is fantastic. Then we go up to through me which is the, the, the third stage. And this is where I, I do my best to enter in, which is um, spirit, use me. God, mm. use me. How mm. would you, what would you have me say? What would you have me do? Who would you have yes. me serve? Right. Yes. And, and then the fourth stage is as me, which, you know, can get really tricky for, for some people, especially religious people. But um, in my opinion, God uh, can't separate itself. And so um, when we allow ourselves to really own uh, who and what we are, we know that we are a, a emanation of the most high, which means we are it. And, so did and, you go to college to get all this knowledge or the the school of life? A little bit of both. But OK, um, the, the, the the knowledge came from uh, getting sick at 25 years old. I had a heart condition come up. Uh, what? Yeah. And I, I didn't. What kind die. of heart condition? 
So uh, without going too much into it, my, my father um, uh, struggled with some addiction. Oh, oh, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. By the time I was 13, I already believed that I needed to be somewhat of the man in the house. Mm. And so by the time I was 21, 22, 23, in my mind, I was so stressed out because I didn't want him to die that I, that I felt like I needed to make it. I needed to figure out a way to get money. And, and I brought that energy, that stressful, scarcity, fear-based energy. And it, it aged me. At, at, I'm, I'm 40 years old. When I was 25, I looked like I was probably 45. And now I'm just reversing. You do? Uh, I was like, because you look very young. Thank How you so much. How old are you? Do you mind if I ask? I'm 40. Yes. I'm, yes. You look yes. young. Thank you You know so they much. say good black don't crack, honey. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So when I got sick, um, um, a part of it was just, I was so stressed out okay. um, that my heart began to break down. And my grandmother- At 25 years old? Exactly. That's how crazy, that's how stressed out I was. Wow. Uh, and so uh, I had to make some drastic changes. And one of the first ones was uh, paying attention to what I was thinking and, and speaking into the world. Because as I said- we are linguistic beings. And so I changed my unconscious thinking to speak what you seek until you see what you said. And so I began to prophesy. I began to speak into existence who and what I was. I began to uh, be as um, attentive to my language as I was to my biceps, right? A lot of people, a lot of everybody want to work their booty out, but do you want to work your language out? You know <laughs> Look, your body's tight, but on the inside, you ain't right. Okay. That. That part. That part. Okay. Okay. So then how did that then take you to become an author? So you get a heart condition, get yourself together. And then how do you start? You do, you're doing motivational speaking. Because you know what you sound like to me that I'm surprised didn't happen for you. That you didn't get into religion, become a pastor or something like that. Because you're very um, motivating and in touch and you speak. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So um, it's funny enough, I actually did go down that journey and then I quit. Um, so you, you're, you on it, you, you see me. Um, I, um, yeah, people began to notice is what happened. Okay. You know? Like always attracts itself. And uh, when you raise your vibration, when, when we get clicked, cause you know, not to sound too woo woo, but like, this is actual facts. This is science. Everything on our planet is vibrating. Mm. And um, we attract at that level. You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are in any given moment. Mm. And so as I began to raise my vibration and, and think, speak, and act as, as the, the, the powerhouse Afro amazing man that I am, I be, people began to notice that. And they, they would say to me, P, what did you do? What are you on? Why, are you, why is this? why is your life working like this? And, and, uh, what happened was I, I started coaching before I understood what coaching was. And just to be clear, I do mm. and have written books, but what I actually primarily do, the thing that has me being a multimillionaire is not, uh, writing books. I, I coach people. Uh, <gasps> yeah. So, uh, I do that on, uh, like just before this call, I had 300 people on a call that I was teaching um, and yesterday there was, uh, almost a thousand. Um, and then I have one-on-one clients and things of that nature. Well, well do tell how did it happen now. 
so, so yeah, exactly. I didn't even know there was a uh, um, a market for that. I mean, and that you become so wealthy from it. They're like Preston. Come on, bro. I just need you to talk to me. Come on, I need you to uh-huh. put some put some put some light in my world. Put some uh-huh. put some motivation in my world. How yes. did you discover that? Uh, it found me. You know, that's the thing. Uh, I I believe that all of our callings are calling, right? Mm. But the question is, are we actually listening, and are we willing enough to uh, to to, to uh, risk um, stepping into something that doesn't feel familiar. So I didn't yes. know, I didn't know what any of this was when I started. I just knew that I, I had to serve people. I knew that the stuff that I was learning was not readily available to any of my friends or family or anybody I knew. And so when somebody said, when I read a book that, that said, your thoughts become things and you create your own reality, you know, this is, this is before the secret. This is before any of that stuff. And so for me, I was so blown away by it. And also simultaneously so upset by it that I decided that I was going to give this gift everywhere I went. And mm. that turned into, you know, I have, I think, 226,000 people on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are people that rely on uh, me to show up and, and remind them of who and what they are through my content. And so I started creating YouTube videos and things like that. Wow. And uh, I started getting asked to speak all over the world. And, and then that turned into workshops in Australia and London and Costa Rica and Africa and everywhere. And I've been doing it for a while. How, how long would you say that you've been doing this? Uh, for the last eight years as a professional. Okay. Uh, previous to that, it was just me dabbling. But for mm-hmm. the last eight years, I, I, I actually have just, you know, allowed myself to, to really go there and treat it like the, the gift that it is. And, you know, um, I'm also very aware of, you know, the laws of abundance. And, um, I know that money is listening. And so I'm a money Mm. magnet. Uh, I say yes to money because all I do with money is give more. I help Mm. more, you know? Um, and so, uh, if if, there's certain people that to me should be rich and I'm one of those people and you're one of those people, you know, you have such a, a golden heart that of course you should be killing it. Like you are, of course. Can I tell you, though, this heart of mine sometimes, it, it, it bothers me that some people say, like, you got such a big heart. You, the fact that you see me, I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. But boy, does it suck when somebody tries to take that heart for granted. But can I tell you, the older I've got, I can see it quicker and clearer now. Yep. And I don't get, because I used to get really angry about it. Like, how mm-hmm. dare you try to get over on me? And da, da, da. now I just bless them and walk away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know what I, I mean? And because yep. I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you about me and and what I, what kind of person I know I am. And if it doesn't work, I bless you and, and I keep it moving. Yes. I do. And I feel a lot happier because I used to hold on to negativity and I just could see it in my face. Mm-hmm. I was sad. My, you know, it was like, oh, wait, I'm too fine to be looking like that. OK, yes. no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So now, but you do have a book, though. You do have do. a book. Correct. Mm-hmm. Your book is called Love Louder, 33 Ways to Amplify Your Life. Correct? Yes. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, um, it was one of those things. This book, oftentimes when you when you set out to write a book, the book ends up writing you. And this was no different. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was in special education classes my whole sort of elementary through high school. Uh, because, uh, and that's so surprising. 
Yeah, um, I, exactly. That's the mm. interesting thing is like, yeah. I, I was actually really, really amazing in so many ways, but my brain doesn't work the same. So I have mm. dyslexia and, and things <gasps> of that nature. Got it. So it's like, instead of them embracing and figuring out what was different about you that made you unique, yep. they try to say, oh, something's wrong with him. He can't. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, for me, you know, I, I hadn't, I didn't even read books until, you know, I was probably 21. I just cheated and then they passed me through and it was just the whole thing. And uh, the school system failed me, but I'm grateful for it. And, and this time at this time, but uh, to, to make a long story short, uh, Love Louder is, these are, it's 33 uh, tips and tools um, that I use on a daily, weekly basis to, to keep my vibration high. To me, uh, when we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. And uh, there's a huge misconception about what love is. Like you, you said it earlier, um, and I'll say it differently, but the same. Your no actually reveals your yes. So mm. one, of the, one of the most loving things I could do for myself and another is to say no. Yes. And yet the way that we're taught we're taught that, that if you say no to somebody, you are not being loving. We're taught yes. that if you are firm with your boundaries, that yes. you are somehow a bitch or a pushover mm -hmm. or X, Y, and Z. And right. no, no. I, love, I love me enough and I yes. love you enough to not let you run over me. And that so, part. That yes. part. Real talk. So, All right. So tell me when you say 33 ways, give me your top five ways. Um, so... For instance, uh, and, and, and this is, you know, something that you experience and, and myself as well, but just knowing that the key to living is giving, right? Okay. So, so when in doubt, focus out. Um, oftentimes, uh, people can get caught up in uh, sort of a whirlwind of their own emotions and thoughts and feelings. And so what I teach in my book and I do for myself is when I'm getting caught up in all of the, the, the minutia and, the, and the, the crap about woe is me, I just say, who can I bless today? Mm. Right? And so I'll go and look for people to support, to serve, mm. to help. And every single time I do that, it raises my vibration and, and it, it, it reminds me of what's really happening. And so like, that's one um, gratitude um, yes. and, and, but not just regular gratitude. So one of the things I teach is uh, I have my, my clients do something called joy alarms mm. where, where they set uh, three to five alarms in their phone. And every time those alarms go off, they are to burst into spontaneous joy, right? Mm reasonless joy that an alarm goes off you dance you bit you get big and you allow the cells of your body remember we are also biology there, there's three centers of intelligence head heart gut or mind heart and our gut and so when all three of those are firing at the same time and we're in our joy and we're celebrating life what happens is is that uh the cells of our body like we're not meant to age the way we do hmm. but but because of the way we think the way we stress and the way we eat uh, most people age in a particular way. Um, there's been multiple studies of people who are like uh, what we would deem crazy, who have no concept of time. And they'll be 70 years old, but look like a 40-year-old because they don't have a concept. Oh, I'm 70. Now I should be X. Right. Oh, I'm 50. Now I should be X. Oh, I'm 60. Now I X. Right. So, so um Getting into gratitude and into joy, reasonless joy is one of the biggest keys 
to loving louder. Um, I talk about in the book how I am a recovering people pleaser and how um, me too for real for real that's that's one that was one of the biggest ones for me is is learning how to recognize when I was doing that and what to do with it mm. so, uh, there's there's so much in there for anybody listening who wants to have a, a you know uh, a peek or, or, or read my book. I, I highly suggest it, even though it's me, it, it is really good. It's bite-sized. It's practical. It's easy to get to. Um, and anybody can read it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or anything like that. I love that. See, that's, you, you just, you're talking a language that you're like, I'm not talking, I'm, 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 I'm talking to you, not at you. Boom. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to hit you with a whole bunch of big words. So you go, now, what the hell does that mean? But yeah. you're like, let me help you understand. Um, yeah. I want to ask you a question. Mm. How can we overcome fear? Mm. Well, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this before. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So one of the best ways to overcome fear is to uh, shine a light on it. Right. So, mm. Um, and, and to really look and ask ourselves, what's really true here? And what am I projecting? What am I making true that hasn't happened yet? Oftentimes, the things we are most fearful about are us going into the past and sifting through the past and saying, well, this happened last time or this happened to so-and-so. So it's probably going to happen over there. Right. So I'll give the example of somebody who's been through a divorce or been through a terrible breakup. Right. Right. Uh, often, and I, I, I've coached a lot of people on this where they'll say, oh, I'm just not ready to date again. And, you know, like I hate dating apps. And, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I got you. Right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but the truth is, the, uh, um, is that there's, they're afraid of being hurt again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how do you then say, okay, I'm going to throw that away and I'm going to dive back into the shallow end of the pool. Well, no, not mm-hmm. the shallow end of the pool head first. Cause I think once you get a little bit older, you learn, you learn to take your time yep. to get to know people. Yep. So, cause I, I, I hate dating, but then it makes you feel so good. These endorphins and everything goes off and you're like, yes, yes it feels great. That's, yes. you know, I, I love love and I want to feel love, but I just, I'm, I have that fear of, don't try to get over on me or hurt me. You know, yeah, I hear that. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and, and I honor that. And I'm going to challenge you and that statement, not just you, but anybody. And like I said, this is so common that this shows up often. We as a society have been taught that relationships that are longer are worthy mm. and relationships that are shorter are bad and wrong and messed up in X, Y, and Z. And so if we take the expectation and the concept of how much time makes something worth my time, Mm -hmm. the game changes. Because now I enter it into the same way that you would when you were seven-year-old Vivica Fox, when you were 13-year-old Vivica Fox, who would meet a group of kids or play with somebody and you would just be in your joy. And however long that lasted- You were cool with it. Exactly. Right. There's there's yeah. not these attachments to, oh, now you need to be my husband and now we need to, you oh, know, God, X, yes. Y and Z. And yeah. now we need to go down this route. Right. right. When we take that off the table and we say, hey, you know, out of seven point seven billion people, this person found their way into my world. Hmm. There's there's probably some magic here. There's probably something I can learn. There's probably a few laughs. There's probably um, in a relationship they're going to introduce me to. There's probably something that I need to learn. And so instead of me entering from oh my God, don't hurt me. I get to enter this from curiosity. I get to enter it from, 
oh, what's here for me, right? If, if I'm not attached to even my wife, right? I'm just going to go down, down this road with you guys because I know okay. some of you guys are like, yo, that's easy for you to say. I did not marry my wife with the, with the, with the terms of forever and neither hmm. did she. We didn't sign up for forever. We signed up for growth. We signed up for love. We signed up for the journey and for the ride. And whenever mm. that ride ends, whether it's death or whether it's, you know, 10 years from now, whenever, whenever that is, we, we have um, surrendered to that piece because, right. you know, at this point, the divorce rate is higher than it's ever been. And right. one Pandemic. of the, yes. But even That's because people are spending time together. Who would have thought? Right. Yeah. For real. For real. Who would have thought? Uh-huh. Right. Um, But so many people, even before the pandemic, um, recognized what their parents did and how unhappy their parents were, Mm -hmm. even though they stuck it out for 50 years and then X, Y, and Z. Right. We only get one shot in this skin suit. Mm -hmm. And um, there's also a stigma and, and a shame of like, you've been divorced or you've been this, or you've been that. Like if we take all that off the table and I get it, right. It, it sucks to be hurt. Right. But oftentimes we get hurt because there's some part of us that's withholding and not willing to speak our truth in the moments when we see them, when we experience them, when we feel them. And okay. It's like the difference between vulnerability and transparency, right? Vulnerability means there's something you can hurt me with, right? If mm. I tell you this information, you can hurt me. Transparency, it, when, I, when I'm sharing transparently, it means that I know who my daddy is. I know who my mommy is and it's not you, right? Mm. And so anything I share with you, use it, don't use it. Leave me, stay with me. Whatever you do, I'm still perfect, whole and complete, but not finished. And that is the game, is right. to be so in love with oneself that another can't hurt me. See, and that's how I feel. That's what I said. How can you receive love if you don't love yourself from Jump Street? Like, like I think for me, like, you know, I decided to like focus on career and like not and, and not look for others to make me happy. And like I said, it was the most successful when I got shed at people. Mm-hmm. But it's like now I'm ready to like share and love again. Yes. And I'm just the kind of person at this point now that I'm like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. I'm good in my own skin. You either want to come over here and roll with me and have a good time, or you can keep it moving.com. Yes. Yes. Like really. And I'm okay with saying that. Like, let's not play no games. Yeah, yeah. This is what's happening. You know what I mean? Because we only got one life to live. So why mm-hmm. live it being sad or feeling like, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that when it's like, no, it just, yeah. maybe I wasn't meant to be together. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe we were for seven months and right. then it was supposed to end. And let's take that ride as well, you know? And and say goodbye happily and wish yes. a person well, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. I love that about you. So now you're you're married. Mm-hmm. How long have you been married? Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And you have a family. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, you just had some twins. Just had some twins. Oh my gosh, how old are your twins? They turned one years old yesterday. Ooh. Yeah. How many children do you have? Uh, so that's a funny question. So I have Uh-oh. a three-year-old, exactly, a three-year-old, twins, and then now we're pregnant again. And so oh, wow. we're right, right back at it. Well, that's all right. You know, that means that there's love, you know? Mm-hmm. So now how are you with your children? Because, um, you know, like you said, you're not going to, you, at least I'm hoping that you don't, mm-hmm. teach them that they can't cry, that they can't be in touch with their emotions and, and yes. things like that. I think yeah. that that's kind of like, I just feel like 
us baby boomers, well, not baby boomers, but now this generation, like we're teaching to love a little bit better yes. and to let yes. people live in their own skin and, and yes. be happy with who they are and who they love. Yes. You know, how, what, what ways are you going to teach your children that was different than your upbringing? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the point, right? Every generation is supposed to evolve the, the family name and evolve the species. And so um, I'm not, you know, faulting my parents at all. However, um, what I do recognize is that, um, and we do this unconsciously, uh, if your parents are really stressed out, more than likely you become an out of the way kid, you become a, uh, you know, a like, and, and that was me, that's it, people pleasers often are the children of, of parents that were really stressed out, right? Wow. Um, if your parents were really sad, maybe you become an entertainer or a clown, right? You, or, or you get in trouble a lot so that you get the attention. And so uh, recognizing uh, some of the, the ways in which uh, kids adapt to try to receive love. Um, for me, uh, with my children, I deeply encourage uh, a few things. Number one, and this is this may trigger a few people, but I, I think it needs to be said. Sexual repression is one of the biggest issues we have on our planet. Hmm. Um, so many people were taught to hate or go against their own biology. Hmm. And we self-included. Uh, I felt so much shame and so much uh, Jesus is watching if I'm having sex or, or masturbating or anything of that nature, I hate, mm-hmm. like I literally never enjoyed sex until I was probably 33 years old. The first wow. time I ever, ever made love was with my wife. Everything else was just, I'm a sinner. I'm bad. I'm terrible. X, Y, and Z. And so mm. um, that's one of the first places that we will not be uh, doing. We will not be shaming our children and we will not be, um, you know, both of my, my son is especially has found his penis and this dude just, he goes to work on it. And I'm like, buddy, that it's okay. It's okay. Just, there's a time and place for it. You're not wrong because you see it and you, you like it. Right. Um, but we just not going to do that right here. Right. And boundaries, so, boundaries, uh-huh, boundaries. Uh-huh. Right. I get it, but not yeah. here right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we're, we're getting ready to start coming to the end. So there's a couple of questions that I, that I want to get out of the way yeah. uh, before we wrap things up. How do you hustle? One of the reasons why I'm uh, in the position, position that I am in, even financially, is because my hustle is, is always attached to purpose. Um, mm. It's always attached to service. And so I said it earlier, uh, some people really should be rich as hell. And I know, I know I'm one of them because of my heart. I've been giving when I had nothing. And now that I have a lot, I just give a lot more. Um, and so when I wake up, I think to myself, who am I robbing when I don't show up? Hmm. Who's at their edge? Who's, who's committing a slow suicide and needs somebody to slap them across their face <laughs> and, and wake them up? Wake right? up. Yep. And, and, and if I don't show it, then if I don't show up, then who will? And so I, I hustle um, by, by doing aligned, committed action. So I do, and I, a lot of people need to hear this. What usually takes somebody a month in my business, I do in a week. What usually takes somebody a week, I do in a day. 
I do not. I have what we call a success list instead of a to-do list. And so I only do three things a day. Everything else is extra. Everything else is a cherry on top. All three of those things are, are needle moving things. They are aligned, committed actions. And these are the type of things that drive my business and drive my life. And it's the same thing in my relationship. Okay. Everything I ask myself out of all the things that I could do for my wife, what are the, what, what are the top three things today that would make her feel beautiful, seen, heard, loved? And I do those things. Right. Mm. And so that's, that's the game I play. Oh, wow. Those, those are good. When you said what ways can she be seen, heard and love? Yes. Do you think those are things that people forget to do while they're in relationships? 100%. People get turned into roommates and, and they forget that uh, their partner, you know, is, uh, has, is, is in need. And, mm. and um, we need each other, you know, like our, we're, 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 we're tied together. And like I said earlier, out of 7.7 billion people, the person that, you know, you call your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your boo, that person, you know, is in your life for a reason. And oftentimes we can take them for granted. I often say this and I mean this. When I, if I think I know my wife, our relationship is over. Mm. Right. So I have to continuously stop thinking that I know her to give her space to be whatever she wants to unfold into. But when I lock her into, oh, she's just right. that, she's just this, there's right. no space, there's no growth. Mm. Okay, agreed, Preston. That leads us perfectly into today's hustle hack. Darling, today's hustle hack is hashtag amplify your life. Find new ways to share who you are. What do you truly believe that you deserve? Acknowledge your greatness. Design your life to be fulfilled. Ask for help. Challenge the stories you tell yourself. Honey, if you want someone to treat you good, you got to treat you good because you will. It's like laws of attraction. And I believe that I deserve good love and you do too. But I'm only going to be with someone that loves me the way that I love myself because I deserve love and good love at that. Right? Yeah, he said, preach, preach it, Vivica. Go on and tell him. Amplify your life and your love life, girl, while you're at it, okay? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, Precious Ross, I want to thank you so much for being on Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Tell the fans out there where they can find you at on social media. Uh, at Preston Smiles on everything. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Okay. Oh, before I leave, what, what's happening for you next? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm focused on, on uh, helping other coaches. I have a company called Kaboom Coaching, where mm -hmm. we help coaches uh, build their businesses and step into abundance. So that's, that's the main thing. And I just, I coach a bunch of people behind the scenes who are uh, high profile people. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why they're high profile because they got Preston smiling on them, literally. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you guys, you know where you can find your girl. You can find me at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter. I'm verified and at Miss V Fox on Instagram. Also, Stage 29 Production Podcast. Go find us there as well too, at Stage 29 Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, review, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. I'm available on podcasts wherever and whenever you'd like. Until next time, darlings, bye for now. 
The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.